Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome back, everybody, to the show. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about perinatal mental health. And my guest today is Emily. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this. I think it's super important. I think we don't talk about it enough. And when we do talk about it, I think people are like, great. And like, now what, where do I go? How do I get help? What, what do I expect? You know, if I'm reaching out for help. So I think this is going to be helpful in clarifying and providing some information and resources for our listeners. But before we dive all into that, can you tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, so my name is Emily. I uh, just recently graduated with a degree in social psychology, and I was really drawn to uh, the perinatal population just because of how common um, mood and anxiety disorders pop up and how stressful of a time it can be for everyone and how little support and research and attention is really given. Um, So I, in turn, started Blues and Beyond, which is a nonprofit that supports perinatal mental health in a couple different ways. We have online resources, we have a 24 hour support line, um, a reach out program and uh, a bunch of referrals as well that we give out to people who may need them. So uh, it's a great nonprofit. It's also free for everyone. So we're trying to get that support out and help as many people as possible. Amazing. And I think it's like, I think it's super important. And again, you know, people don't know, may not know, like even where to like search or like what exactly to do. Uh, So I think this is uh, great. Now, can you speak a little bit about like perinatal support and like what that sort of, you know, who are perinatal support workers? What is that about? Can you speak a little bit more to that? Absolutely. Yeah. So the perinatal period, firstly, is um, throughout pregnancy and the first year postpartum. So that's kind of the perinatal period. And the perinatal support worker is exactly that. So they're a support worker that helps during that period of pregnancy to the first year postpartum. Uh, So they have... um, they're a personal support worker who graduated from a specialized program uh, and they can provide non-medical, physical, emotional, and educational support for people within that perinatal period. Wonderful. Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> so let's, um, let's chat a little bit about, you know, why, you know, why is this kind of a, a time that perhaps is being overlooked or, um, you know, in some cases, you know, may even be like normalized, like, oh, well, you like just had a baby and it's normal to have a little bit of blues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can we speak to, you know, that that sort of um, lack of sort of really just letting people know that like, OK, mm-hmm. you feel a little blue. Did you know that there's like support and like, OK, you feel a little bit more blue? Like, 
Yeah. So I'm curious absolutely. your stance on that. Yeah, absolutely. So you were exactly right with that. I feel like because, you know, having children is so common, we're kind of expected to do it like everyone else is doing it. You know, everyone else got through it. So you can, and you're kind of left to your own devices to try and get through it. Um, yeah, it makes it very difficult, especially when we're comparing ourselves to other parents as well. And it's overlooked just because, you know, you just had a baby, you're tired, your hormones are out of whack. Um, and that's kind of what your mood and anxiety might be determined by, whereas it could be a bunch of other things as well, you know, piling up and we seem to not get that help uh, because you had just given birth and they're expecting it to go away. So we're seeing people that are struggling with symptoms for quite a while until someone actually realizes like, Hey, maybe it wasn't, um, just the birth and maybe we should try and help out. So unfortunately these parents are left for months, sometimes years, and they're never given a diagnosis or they're never given instruction on how to cope with what they're feeling or where to go with, um, like to people who have information on how to help. Um, so that is absolutely um, a barrier to getting care is, you know, the lack of diagnosis. And, um, I think a lot of the time as well, people may know that something's wrong and maybe they're not feeling the best. Um, but the financial strain and the lack of time that comes with having a new child and taking care of a family, uh, sometimes also prevents them from getting care, which means they're overlooked even more. Uh, so sometimes we can't find, um, like childcare so that we can step away for an hour and go get the help that we need or um, the relaxing time that we might feel we need. Uh, financial strain, sometimes therapy can cost quite a bit and it's not covered by um, public insurance. So if you're not uh, covered by private insurance and you don't have access um, to the finances required, it becomes uh, quite hard to, to get help as well. Um, so very, uh, very overlooked for a bunch of different reasons. And then we also have stigma too, of wanting to be the best parent and wanting to be able to handle it all and be, you know, super mom or super dad, um, and never wanting to accept help because for some reason that is seen as a sign of weakness. Mm. Uh, so really getting into that mindset of it's not weakness. It's actually pretty strong of you. If you're able to acknowledge your weaknesses and, you know, ask for help and ask for the support you deserve. Yeah. I look at it as, uh, you know, we all have moments in our lives where things get, uh, overwhelming, right. Or, um, you know, challenging. And sometimes it's just really helpful to like, get it out of your own head, you know, to like be able to Absolutely. talk and like vent and, and be able to, uh, share kind of what you're feeling. And, you know, certainly there's that like period of time or like that thought process. Like if I share what I'm thinking, like I should be grateful. Like I have a baby, so I shouldn't mm -hmm. complain. And, you know, and, and really it's a matter of sometimes we just need to talk about it so that as we're like saying it out loud, we're hearing ourselves. And then it's like, oh, well, it's just like a thought that's like ruminating in my mind, but I don't actually believe that. Or, you know, I don't actually feel that way mm -hmm. like deep in my core, but I kind of feel that way, you know? So, Absolutely. And I think speaking to somebody, you know, I look at, you know, support workers, therapists, I look at them as individuals that I can speak to freely that are, you know, uh, 
not going to judge me or are not involved in my like direct circle, you know, and I, you know, they can, they're trained, they have some training where they can offer me some support. So, you know, Mm -hmm. if I need a specific coping strategy or tool, or, you know, they're, they have particular listening skills that helps me feel like I've been heard and seen. And once that sometimes happens just in that relational, um, interaction that in Mm -hmm. and of itself is very healing and very supporting and potentially, you know, could, I would suspect stop a spiral potentially from absolutely happening. Yeah. I don't know if many people experience this, but I know for me personally, I have such a hard time telling people things that I'm feeling, but once I do and I get reassurance or they're like, I feel that too, but don't worry. It is like the biggest relief off of your shoulders to know that that other people feel the same way. And it's, it's just your cognitive framework. It's not how you are as a person. It's just the way you're thinking of it. Um, and maybe how they help themselves and you can try it out. It is such a relief to get that off your shoulders, as you said, and having someone reassure you that even though you think you might be a bad parent for whatever reason, you're not. And these are all the ways that you can tell that you're not, and you're trying your best. And yeah, that reassurance goes a huge, huge way. And just, you know, and from like a nervous system perspective, the way I think Mm -hmm. about it, right? Like if I am feeling worried, stressed, and uh, fearful about, you know, something that might be happening and I don't have the answers and I'm feeling overwhelmed, it's very difficult for an individual to see possibility because Mm -hmm. our cognition and our um, like sensing gets very tunnel visioned, right? Like we can only see the one thing and that's because the thing is a threat, right? So we're not open to seeing the other possibilities and it's through uh, relation, through speaking, through sharing that we allow the nervous system to become more regulated. And once we're more regulated and feel more safe, right? And supported, then our social engagement system comes online and we start to see more possibility. And you're like, oh, okay. You, the whole perception of the situation has the potential to change. But when we're really overwhelmed and stressed, it's very narrow and you can't see those mm-hmm. possibilities. So you feel stuck, right? Yeah. You're very hyper-focused on, yeah, that one, that one threat. That is, yeah, that's a great way to describe it. And then once talking to someone and getting it out and filtering through all the options you have, you realize, you know, maybe it's not so, not so bad, right. Or not so scary. Or that you're actually quite resilient and capable Mm -hmm. of dealing with whatever the situation at hand may, may be. Um, And I think that kind of uh, speaks to like the sort of the next question we were going to talk about is kind of like professional versus like friend support. Right. And then, and, and so I'm curious, you know, um, in your experience working in this, you know, population, you know, what are your perspectives on, you know, friends versus professionals or do both serve really important, you know, functions? Yeah, I think they both have, you know, the pros and cons. It's just kind of what you need or what you want to get out of it. I think a friend is there whenever you need them. You know, you don't have to schedule an appointment. You don't have to wait weeks until your appointment, you can get that immediate support. You can just text them, call them, ask to meet up. It doesn't cost money. It's expensive to, to go to therapy or counseling. Um, maybe it just costs you a coffee, buy your friend a coffee. 
Um, they probably understand your situation because they've been there through it. They, they understand your backstory and what has gotten you there more so than a therapist could, because they're just taking your word from it, right? They're getting your perspective, whereas your friend might have a complete story and be able to help you out there. Uh, they genuinely want to help you because they probably have strong feelings for you and want to support you through whatever you're going through. Um, and it can also benefit our mental health. Hanging out with people who we love and who love us is great for your mental health in itself. So even if you're not getting anything out of it, being out of the house, um, doing something with someone that you love or someone that you're close with is beneficial. Um, I would say a couple things to be mindful of when talking to a friend is that we don't want other people to feel um, emotionally affected by having to be someone's rock all the time. So just being um, aware that, you know, being someone's rock is really tough and you can um, suffer a lot from like um, burnout and you don't want to obviously give them the wrong advice. Uh, so they might have a little, you know, burden on them. Uh, it might put strain on the friendship. Uh, maybe if you only call them when you need um, support and that's the only time you really check in with them and it's kind of a one-way or one-sided relationship. Uh, and a friend, as much as we love to talk to them, they're also not um, qualified in, you know, giving those coping tips and um, doing things that a therapist can. So although they might try and they could give great advice, um, it's also not as reliable as it might be going to a counselor or a therapist or a professional. On the other hand, um, professionals have the pros and cons as well. They're highly trained. Uh, they know how to guide and support you through things. Uh, and they can actually track your progress too and see, you know, how far you've come since the beginning. Um, they maintain confidentiality. So you never have to worry about them going to other people, you know, talking about what you said to them. Uh, they're unbiased. Uh, and then some cons is that, again, you have to kind of book time with them. It can get quite expensive. Uh, you're waiting for the appointment to come up. So things that you feel in the moment, you might not even remember when, when the time comes. And then it's hard to get support for things that happened a week ago, right? Um, and yeah, they aren't around 24-7 either. So you can just call them, uh, asking them for support in the moment. Uh, so definitely, yeah, it's just dependent on what you need. And um, you just go from there. Are you needing a little bit of support in the moment just to get you through the day? Or do you think, hey, I'm, I'm feeling anxiety quite often now. And it's really distressing me and disturbing my day. I think that talking to someone and getting those coping tips and learning how um, I can overcome this um, would be helpful with a professional. Yeah. Thank you for sharing um, both sides of the spectrum of where we uh, can support and, uh, you know, having both certainly can be very useful as well at the same yes. time. And so I'm curious about, you know, what are, what are some things uh, somebody can like look out, like what, what might be some reasons people reach out for help? Like what are some of the struggles or, you know, things that people need to look out for that might say, Hey, okay, you know what? I really should, you know, ask somebody or chat with somebody about X, Y, or Z. Yeah. So that is, I think that's a, an amazing question because it's quite difficult. I think, um, especially with postpartum depression, which is, which is the most common uh, mood and anxiety disorder during the perinatal period. 
Um, but a lot of moms, I think about 60 to 80% actually experience baby blues, which is a very common like non-disorder. It's nothing to be super concerned about, but something to watch for, of course. Um, and that's just due to hormone imbalances and like sleep deprivation right after labor. So it's kind of um, depression symptoms, not as severe for about two weeks, no longer than two weeks. And it usually peaks like three to five days after birth um, that you can feel like a bit low mood, you're tired, your self-esteem may be lower than normal. Um, you may have difficulty sleeping, changes in appetite and weight, um, and can't really concentrate. Uh, so they don't really, you won't ever get diagnosed with baby blues, but it's something to happen to a lot of people. And when you really want to reach out for help is if it lasts longer than those few couple weeks, or if it's very, very intense. Um, if you're maybe suffering from self-harm uh, thoughts, like ideations, um, or harming others, that's when you really want to reach out. And I think it's beneficial to, you know, if you are experiencing baby blues, tell a partner, tell family and friends, say, this is what I'm experiencing. I think it might be baby blues but I'd love to have an extra set of eyes on me watching, monitoring. Sometimes we don't realize how bad it is. Right. And sometimes it's, it helps to have someone else kind of screening you from afar and making sure your symptoms aren't getting worse and that you're not um, low mood constantly. And then after that two week mark, making sure that, you know, there's some improvement, it's not um, that same, those same symptoms for longer, because then it could be uh, something more. It could be postpartum depression or anxiety or any perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. Mm. I remember after I gave birth, my mom, or maybe it was before or after, I, I just, I remember her saying, you know, around day two, you're probably just going to cry for no reason. And uh, I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> uh, and I remember like, it was probably day three because it or maybe it was the day I came home from uh, from the hospital. And there was just too much commotion in the house. And just for like literally seemingly out of nowhere, like the like river started running. And so like, I remember going outside and I'm like, okay, I just need to like breathe. And then like, I just need to like get the crying like under check. <laughs> and then I was like, but now I have to walk back in the house and somebody's going to see that I was crying and they're going to ask me, are you okay? And I'm like, Oh I'm yes. Open the flood. It's going to start. Yep. Dang. <laughs> um, and so that's exactly what happened. I came into the house and my partner had his uh, friend over, like his daughter was there as well. And I, I was just, I had to walk past them and, you know, uh, I went upstairs and my mom actually ended up coming that day. And so, uh, it was, I was just really grateful that like she had arrived and she came upstairs and I'm all like, I can't make it stop, <laughs> you yeah. know? And she, she just sat there with me, provided me, you know, comfort and, and, you know, I just stopped crying. And then like, that was just, that was, and that was the end, right? I didn't really have that uncontrolled, but I think, you know, I just had, must've had like a surge of some kind of hormone at that time. Yeah. And I, I certainly recall during my pregnancy crying 
at the silliest commercials, like just not being able. And I'm like, why am I crying to yes. like a serial commercial? You know, yeah. something, but it was like, un, you know, there was this like uncontrollable. So I just, I was like, definitely the hormones. Uh, but having said that, you know, it was like, I, I had my cry, the cry was done and I felt like regulated. Mm-hmm. Right. And I wasn't, that wasn't something that was happening continuously, but uh, you know, like, I'm trying to think of like, had my mom not, um, mentioned that to me, like that could have been potentially quite distressing for me because, you know, I really at that moment, like, wasn't able to care for the baby. Like I was just like trying to get myself under, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in air quotes, like under control. Uh, and I, that was just not possible. Like it just, it needed to like move through. And so, you know, like, I'm really grateful that I had, you know, that support there for that moment and that time. Uh, but had I not been aware or like, you know, that's what I might've been a little bit stressed about the situation. So I was just really grateful. My mom mentioned that that was something that could happen is like that you could cry and, and feel really sad and uh, you know, anticipating that that might be something that happens in the first one or two weeks and making sure uh, you know, not too much commotion in the house, but like having, you know, a support person, you know, a family member or somebody like, you know, coming in and checking in is like super helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that you said that too, because a lot of people may not have that support in their life who lets them know, Hey, this might happen, or this is, this is common. Don't, don't be scared if it happens because again, yeah, if you, if you had cried um, and no one was there to tell you that that's okay and that's normal and don't worry, it's just the hormones and the emotion and just being overwhelmed that, you know, your new your new life, right? Yeah. Everything's changed and it's tough. And yeah, it's, yeah, you're getting thrown into this. And then on top of that, you know, now you're crying when everyone's saying that this, this is supposed to be the happiest time of your life. And now you feel even worse that you're not happy, right? Right. For whatever yeah. reason, whether it's the hormones or maybe there is something deeper going on. Like I haven't slept in two and a half days, like, and exactly. I through life's like greatest rites of passage and it was yes. noisy in the hospital and there was commotion and now there's commotion in my house. And I'm like, yeah, hello, just gave birth like literally two days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. yeah. So, okay. Um, so I wanted to talk about like different, so we've sort of talked about, you know, like friend versus professional support, but at Mm -hmm. the beginning you were mentioning, like, um, there are different ways of getting support. Like it doesn't necessarily need to be a one-to-one structure. And you were mentioning, you know, you have a call line and, and so I'm curious about like, you know, for individuals who may be looking for support, like what other forms of support might be really helpful in this period. Absolutely. So therapy, like you mentioned, that's probably the most classic intervention. That's what most people kind of go to first, but of course nothing ever helps every single person. Right. So that might not be for you or it might be too uh, costly. It might, for whatever reason, maybe you can't find childcare to go, or you can't find anyone in your area. Um, So you can try, there's many other things we can you know, try, um, a group therapy. We can try peer support groups. Um, even like 
mommy and me classes or daddy and baby classes, being with people, again, like you said, that, that are going through the same thing as you talking about it and reassuring one another. Like I cried too. It's okay. As long as, you know, you can get up in the morning and you're finding the little joys in life and you're not, you know, losing interest in everything and kind of withdrawing that's okay. Right. So that reassurance goes a long way as well. And then you meet some good friends and uh, you can go out better your mental health as well, because getting out with other people is also great for mental health. Um, Calling a support line, um, many support lines now, Uh, reach out to family and friends, any, um, any supports that you have. Uh, There's also other interventions that don't have as promised results as that, but have helped plenty of people. So it's worth a shot if you're kind of trying to find what's right for you. So there's things like prenatal yoga, physical activity is proven to boost mood, um, prenatal massages, aromatherapy, um, making sure you're getting proper vitamins and all your nutrients. There's herbal remedies now. Um, Encapsulating placenta has been shown in some studies as well. Again, not as proven, but definitely something to consider or research to see if maybe that's something that you want to try. Um, Most of these don't really cost much. You can do yoga wherever we can just search up videos now, which is amazing. Um, Getting physical activity, just going out for a walk. So they're very cost-effective and might, you know, if they're not helping you completely, maybe they'll help you a little bit to get you to a place where you can um, accept help in a different form as well. Um, and then touching on that as well, talking about the support line, Blues and Beyond also has a support line um, that can be called with those perinatal support workers that can answer any questions, which tends to take those anxieties and worries away when we get answers to the questions that we can't find, or maybe Google is telling us a thousand different things as it always does. Um, so reaching out there, it also gives you a safe space to kind of talk through things and um, get you to a spot where you can actually handle the situation a little bit better and not being so hot-headed in the moment um, and overwhelmed. So definitely a lot of things that can be done. And when we're speaking about mental health, you know, most of what we've talked about is about the person who's given birth. Uh, but are they the only ones <laughs> like do our partners, you know, have, have distress too. And, you know, should we be talking about that as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, so it is really common to answer your question. Um, I think about 20% of women or um, birth givers uh, can suffer from perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And it's about 10% of fathers and partners. And I think the partners also have this um, stigma with their mental health as well, because now you're having people saying, well, you didn't, you didn't carry the baby or give birth. So what are, what are you stressed about? You don't have the hormone imbalances. So now they're kind of discredited already for their, their feelings and their emotions. Um, It is a bit different. The symptoms that we see in like partners or fathers, instead of that, like sadness and loss of interest in things and, um, loss of pleasure that we see in like women or the birth givers, um, men will tend to show this in, um, like substance use becoming a bit more irritable, um, or quick to anger, um, very, um, agitated. And this is commonly because they might feel burdened, like financially burdened. Uh, they can feel outside the circle of attention because sometimes, you know, mommy and baby had this journey already. It's not just starting 
right? You've been together all pregnancy, building that uh, connection. And now it's you guys together and dad hasn't really, you know, been too much a part of that. They haven't had baby inside of them and have been feeling their every move and had that um, amazing but crazy uh, experience of childbirth. Um, So making sure they feel more involved because they probably feel out of the circle of attention, feeling left out. Um, They could be missing an old relationship before baby, missing that emotional connection. Uh, And what's really interesting, I always find, is that the biggest predictor of mental health in partners and fathers is actually if the mother or the partner has a perinatal mental illness. So that means if we are screening and we are um, taking care of the birth givers, we can in turn help the partner as well and lower that risk of them developing it and lowering the risk of the child having um, poor later life outcomes from having parents who are maybe a bit withdrawn and suffering and not able to access the help they need. Um, But that, that fact always interests me so much is that it's really, everyone's so connected, right? The one step that we can do um, with the mom or with the birth giver can affect the whole family. So it's, it's like, how do we not step up and help when we can be helping so many people, right? Absolutely. And, and caregiver burnout is a pretty, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty big thing that can happen. Like sometimes you just, you're tired and you're, you're tired of, uh, you know, caring, especially in challenging situations. So like if the, um, mom is having an issue and I'm, you know, caring for her and trying to care for a baby. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing and all of that. Like that is all that also can become quite overwhelming, you know, and yeah. sometimes you need, you know, it's like a, either a mental break, a physical break, or, you know, something, you know, for recharging the batteries. So we, we don't want to overlook that piece as well. So I'm curious about like, if somebody were to call, let's say your 24 hour support line, like what, what would, what might that look like? Like, yeah, so we can do a few things for people who call. It just kind of depends what they're calling to look for. So we can answer any questions. If you have anything regarding pregnancy, parenting, uh, or anything about like the postpartum journey, uh, we can help you focus in on your goals and help you um, help guide you to a, a solution and how to achieve those goals. Uh, we can b- provide support or just be like a listening ear if you just want to talk things out and get to a better place um, emotionally, kind of regulate yourself so that you can tackle what you have to do next. Uh, we can offer referrals to other professionals. So for example, if you call in saying, you know, my child won't eat any vegetables, They won't have any food. It's making me so angry. I'm irritated. I'm upset. I don't know how to handle this. First, we can kind of calm you down, get you to that place where you're able to appropriately handle the situation. And we can offer you some tips in the moment, but we can also refer you to some amazing professionals like uh, nutritionists, parenting coaches, people who can actually give you super detailed information and people who maybe you don't know exist and opens up a whole door and you don't have to go um, to them right away, but at least you kind of know, hey, that option's out there for me. If this problem keeps coming up and I need some more support, at least I know that they're there. And we're always here for you to call in and ask for those referrals. Um, we have a bunch of information on them so we can provide you with everything up front. Um, but yeah. 
plenty of different things and it's all completely free as well. Uh, and then the last thing, which isn't really the support line, is our reach out program. Uh, and that you can sign up on the website or you can call into the support line and sign up through there. Um, but that is perinatal support workers who actually have routine check-ins with you uh, every week, two weeks, every two months, however frequently you would like to do that. And we kind of just ask you how things are going, um, touch base, ask if you have any questions, how you're feeling. We kind of screen to make sure that you're okay and everything's, everything's going all right. Uh, and that I really love because I think that's a very proactive step to ensuring that you're okay instead of waiting until things get bad and then and then seeking help. We don't want anyone to kind of struggle through by themselves and and not feel like anyone's there for them. So having that proactive step and knowing someone's watching over you and they'll know when it gets bad, I think that might provide a lot of reassurance for the person themselves as well, knowing someone has an eye out on me, I'm not completely alone. So at least if I miss something or I'm headed downhill, someone might be able to catch it. Yeah, that's a, a great option to have in terms of like, you know, again, if I'm somebody who's less likely to want to reach out, but, you know, mm-hmm. I say, okay, well, knowing that, you know, I'm probably not an initiator per se, like having this ability to set something up so somebody else can kind of call. And then it gives me like a moment to pause and then kind of reflect on like, okay, how has it been going? Okay. Do I have any questions? You know, whereas um, you may not necessarily be thinking about those things. You're just kind of like, you know, going through the motions. And so having somebody Mm -hmm. call, check in, maybe a really great opportunity for like pausing in that moment to be like, all right, let me, let me actually think about this. And then it's like, oh, Hey, I, you know, I was curious about this, but you know, it's usually not available to the forefront of our mind when we're busy and there's so many things happening. But when we get those moments to pause, it's like, oh yeah, I did have a question about this. And then, you know, as once you get the ball rolling, (laughs) absolutely, all the questions start coming from there. Right. Yeah, we're so used to just when someone asks, how are you? We just say, we're good. How are you? Even if that's not what we're feeling, just because we know the other person probably doesn't want to hear it. So having someone where, you know, you can, we're calling you asking, how are you? And we genuinely want to know, don't, don't tell us you're good because no one's ever good all the time, right? You might be good in this moment, but how was yesterday? Are you scared for tomorrow? Is there something big coming up that you're nervous for? Um So yeah, really being able to be completely open and feeling like you can talk in a safe space and having someone actually ask how you are when with a new baby, all the attention is probably given to the the little kid. I don't think uh, many people are probably asking mom and dad how they are, uh, which is sad. We definitely should be. Um, So at least uh, there's support lines there for you to call and who are concerned with your health and your well-being and your mental health as well. Yeah. So can you tell us like where people, uh, you know, can find you, follow you? How do they contact the support line? How do they get involved in the outreach program? You know, are you on socials? You know, where, where can people go? Yeah. So for social media, we're on Facebook, just as Blues and Beyond. Uh, On Instagram, our handle is Blues and Beyond with an underscore at the end. Uh, Our website, which has all of our information, access to the support line, the reach out program, 
Um, all of our educational resources is uh, www.bluesandbeyond.ca. And then our support line for any information uh, to answer questions or for support, you can call 1-833-340-3344. And then our email at info at bluesandbeyond.ca. And you can reach out there with any questions about the platform um, or to schedule a reach out as well. Wonderful. And don't worry, everybody, if you're driving or something and you can't write stuff (laughs) down, do not worry. It will be in the show notes, in the description of the podcast information, all the links, the phone number, the email, everything will be there for easily copy and paste uh, so that you can uh, reach out and, you know, chat, get the help that you need. And even if you don't perceive needing help, you know, having somebody call anyways at a time, who knows, they might catch you on a day where you're like, this kid hasn't pooped in five days. What do I yep. do? <laughs> that's a thing. Uh, you know, so even just, you know, cu- questions related to that. I mean, I remember I was like, it's been like four or five days. This kid has not gone. Right. And, you know, like, at what point do I start panicking? Right? Yeah. So see? Great questions to ask about uh, to minimize any distress and, you know, get a couple of tips on what you might be able to do uh, to support babies. So like, yeah, I think it's fabulous. And I think it's great. And I'm so glad that uh, you have made this uh, accessible and of course, affordable for people to get the help that they need. So I want to thank you very much for taking time to be on the show to talk about this. And uh, I just am, yeah, grateful. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome to talk to you today. Yeah. And we want to thank our listeners that join us uh, every week to listen to the discussions. And I think this is one of those, you know, like share this one out, especially to anybody who uh, maybe is expecting or has just recently given birth and maybe even not necessarily just recently. I think it's just a great resource for people to have like in their back pockets uh, should they need help. So definitely share out the episode and we will connect with everybody next time on the podcast. So on that note, I say goodbye. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.